Well, today I have the great joy and privilege of talking with um, a great friend of mine, Thomas Umstadt, uh, who's the founder of Author Media and the host of the Novel Marketing Podcast, which is the longest running book marketing podcast in the world, which you would never know because Thomas is still looks so young. <laughs> But uh, he helps <laughs> authors build their platforms, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. And um, Thomas and I have uh, grown to kind of know and respect one another over a couple of years now. Um, I actually connected with Thomas originally through uh, some uh, WordPress plugins that he had developed for authors. That's where I was first introduced. And then discovering that he was also a passionate Christian brother in the creative space, in the book space, in the digital entrepreneurial world was just so, so exciting. And then off the back of that, discovering what I've just told you, that actually uh, that pioneer spirit that rests upon um, Thomas is something certainly that's inspired me and I believe is going to inspire you just as we dig in to look to encourage you in your own kind of creative endeavors and, you know, moving potentially, you might be looking to move into the digital space. You've got some ideas that you believe could become entrepreneurial successes I think Thomas has got something uh, so incredibly precious and not just not just precious, but actually time tested. Um, and uh, I'm so looking forward to just hearing as we take some time to talk together, Thomas. Maybe you could introduce yourself, say hello to the listeners, um, and then we'll begin to kind of open this this up. Yeah, thank you, David. It's a, an honor to be here. And I, I do hope that we're able to encourage creative people to better serve the Lord by better serving their neighbor. Right? It's the it's the great commandment expressed through creativity. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, you can do that with the work of your hands. You can do that with the work of your mind. That's right. And you've been doing it for a long time, Thomas. I mean, to be able to say that you've got the longest longest running book marketing podcast in the world is quite an accolade. And, and uh, t tell us, how did you get started in all of this? What was the, what was the lead in to actually begin building out your platform online like this? So I started my first podcast in 2007, and it was about video game addiction because I was writing a book about video game addiction uh, at the time. And I wanted the podcast to help develop a, help me develop a platform. Podcasting was really different in those days. Just creating the podcast was enough to get an audience because there were so few podcasts in the world. But they were also a real hassle to record. The software wasn't there. The hardware wasn't there. The microphones weren't very good. And uh, so back when I was a kid, it was a lot harder. <laughs> so, but, but I learned a lot. And I had to learn the technical bits because there wasn't the newer tools that do a lot of that for you. So it was a really good education on on how MP3s work and how RSS feeds work and how podcasts work. And have uh, have you, you know, always been years an, later? Have you always been an early adopter? 
I was more of an early adopter when I was younger. <laughs> so um, I spent my high school years on a Linux forum and troubleshooting Linux issues. I was an admin for the Linux forum. It was Lindos, if any of you remember. It's a predecessor wow. to Ubuntu. It was a, a Debian-based uh, Linux distribution designed for kind of regular people was the idea. Dude, was, uh, you're like a Get your mom geek. Windows instead of Windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the joke is when I'm in a room full of nerds, they all look at me and say nerd because <laughs> I'm <laughs> the, 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 biggest, the biggest geek in the room. Uh, so that's definitely true. I, I was building websites in high school and even middle school and fiddling around with HTML. Uh, really blessed to grow up in a town that was a very high-tech town. So in the United uh -huh. States, uh, Silicon Valley is the most famous kind of tech area. But where the actual silicon is made is not in Silicon Valley. That's not where the fabs are. They actually do their manufacturing in Austin as, for, for many of the things. That's where Dell computers are built, and a lot of the chips are, are fabricated here. And so I was blessed to grow up with all of my friends' dads working in high tech, right? This guy works at Intel, or his dad works at Intel, his dad works at AMD, this guy's dad works at IBM. And I would talk with my friends, and I'd talk with my dads, and when we had technical questions, we can ask. It was easy to get an answer. It was easy to find help. And so we were encouraged in our nerdiness at an early age. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, off the back of that, you know, you were in a position at that time, and also um, kind of gutsy enough to step in and begin to kind of express your creativity in a space that wasn't so full and wasn't so saturated. I think a lot of people coming in today, Thomas, whether it be into the book writing space um, uh, or the podcasting space or whatever, you know, re pretty much anything online, to be honest, you know, even course creation, things like that. I think a lot of people who are listening may feel as though, well, I'm too late to the game. You know, if I start a podcast, it's going to get lost in this ocean. If I try and step out, step up and step out and try and express myself, aren't I too late? What would you say to to those people who've got ideas but maybe fearful to um, just step out and express themselves? The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And if I could have a conversation with my 2007 self, we'd both be saying to the other one, now is the time to start a podcast <laughs> because the 2007 person would see all the gear that I have, right? This amazing mixer that plugs in via USB to my computer and and all of the gear that I could get, right? You can get a really good sounding microphone for $60. That sounds incredible and plugs directly into your computer so you don't even need a mixer. My 2007 self would have been astounded at that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why isn't everyone podcasting? There's a joke uh, that we tell here in the States. It's uh, Thomas Jefferson, right? This great luminary created the Library of Congress. And uh, somebody goes back in time and tells him about smartphones. It's like, this device has access to all the books that have ever been written in the world. You can listen to any of the music that's played in the world. He's like, oh my goodness, you must be a nation of scholars. He's like, well, we mostly just use it to, you know, look at pictures of cats. <laughs> it was like Thomas Jefferson would not be impressed with our use of smartphones. He would be, uh, but you don't have to use your phone just to look at pictures of cats and, and funny videos on Facebook. You, you can use it 
to create. You can use it to read the you know great works of literature and listen to great music. And there's nothing stopping you. And you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, you must have a lot of free time. It's like, well, it's all about what you choose to spend your time on. Mm-hmm. You know, where you so so you will, there you will reap. And taking some of your time, your relaxation time, and using it to create actually can be, in some cases, more rejuvenating than using it to consume. And uh, you know, balancing our consumption and our production, I think, is really important. Right? You've got the Sea of Galilee, which is this healthy sea we call a lake in the United States of it's got fresh water flowing in and fresh water flowing out and then you have the dead sea that only consumes it's the lowest point on earth it's so full of salt you can almost walk across it it's uh, so dense and you know wow. we want to be more like the sea of galilee where we're both bringing in but also giving out and not like the dead sea that only takes in that is such a powerful picture because i think i think there's so much there it literally is so much out there now and so many of the algorithms try and just push content on us all the time that you've got to be very intentional to choose to kind of step away from that and become a creator. That's right. You ha- because creation doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> if you... Uh, are not careful, you just consume, 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 and you've done nothing but consume your whole day. Yeah. And part of what helps to be a creator is to surround yourself with tools of creation. So that phone is not a tool of creation. It can be, but it's primarily a tool of consumption. Whereas a laptop is primarily a tool of consumption, or sorry, creation, right? It's got this keyboard that's re- that just begs you to type on it, right? And it's not very fun for consuming right if you're it's a long been a long day you don't want to sit back on your couch with your laptop right? yeah. <laughs> laptop is a working device right the very design yeah. of it invites you to work and a lot of people don't realize that when they choose let's say they've got some money and that i can upgrade my laptop or I'm, i can upgrade and get the new phone they don't realize that when they choose to upgrade the phone and get the new phone rather than upgrade the laptop, they're making a decision for their next several years that they're going to be more of a consumer than a creator. And if you choose, instead of getting the new phone, I'm going to get the new laptop and I'm going to start creating things with it. Uh, And the phone, the consumption is going to be the less enjoyable experience where it's broke down and it's slow and the battery is always dying. You're going to use the phone less and you're going to use the laptop more and you'll find uh, that you very may, uh, very well may have created more during that season. I, th- I think I think consumption tends to promise a great deal, but doesn't quite deliver on its promise. Oftentimes, if it's if it's over, kind of overbalanced. But you know, in the scriptures, uh, like when I'm talking with uh, my the, the folks in the Christian Creative Academy and and other places, um, there are a couple of scriptures. One of the scriptures is um, how. God rejoices in the small beginnings. And we've spoken a little bit about that, that sometimes people feel as though, man, it's I'm, I'm like this tiny little fish in a this vast ocean. You know, who am I? How will my voice ever be heard? And yet the scriptures tell us that, and, and even when the, the, the temple was being rebuilt there and uh, Zerubbabel was kind of undertaking and some of the old school was saying, oh, man, look at this little thing compared to the glory that once was. And yet we, we find that God says it says he actually rejoiced to see the work begin. 
And I think that that's something to bring to people. But then elsewhere in the scriptures, it says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And um, certainly one of the things, and we've spoken about this a little bit um, just in our personal conversations, is um, I'm certainly been impressed with uh, both your longevity that you've stuck with what you've committed to Thomas and your consistency in it, you know, that, that you've actually just been there and you've continued to bring value where many other people, I mean, I, I often joke that, you know, most podcasts have like, you have like three episodes and then <laughs> Like it's just tumbleweed for the for like the next ten years, but you've been in this game for a long time. Just to tell us a little bit about how you kind of manage yourself, manage your expectations, manage your energy to remain consistent like that. Because I just think that that is such a key part of the creative life. And you know, sometimes and and I would certainly kind of be guilty of this um, on many occasions. We are great at starting new things. We love the excitement of kind of that that pioneer moment, like, yeah, let's do this. But actually then once you get into the grind, maybe the grind is the wrong word, but sometimes it can feel like that, that maintaining and taking things really to the next level and bringing things to maturity it takes a bit of a different mindset, doesn't it? Yeah, for me, it's it hasn't really been a story of consistency as much as it's been a story of persistence. Because uh, you know we'll miss weeks, or we used to miss weeks, and there was a time I think we missed two or three months of a podcast, or in a two or three month podcast uh, window, we only did one or two episodes, but we refused to quit, <laughs> and I think that. Um, for continuing to go, I think you know, refusing to quit is uh, really key. And there's uh, this concept of destination fever where you get so focused on the destination that you don't enjoy the journey. And for me, for podcasting anyway, I enjoy doing it. I've always enjoyed radio. I, I remember I was a kid and I came rushing into the room to tell my dad. I was seven years old. I came rushing in like, Dad, Dad, it's Open Line Friday. Because <laughs> there's a, a radio host named Rush Limbaugh, and he would have Open Line Friday, and he'd play this applause sound effect. And I, as a seven-year-old, thought that that was real. And I got all hyped up, and I was excited because I was listening to Rush Limbaugh as a seven-year-old. Yeah. And uh, so I've always, I've always enjoyed it. And enjoying it helps it feel less like a grind. But, yeah, it's a lot of work and it's and it's become more work over time as the show has grown and as the audience has grown and as the sh audience's expectations have grown the amount of man hours that go into an episode has grown and we're now putting between 20 and 30 hours per episode into each episode which sounds like a lot but there are other shows that put hundreds of man hours into an episode and they've got a wow. whole team working on it and i have a team working on mine so it's not just me anymore i have um, a producer who helps prepare um, questions for guests and schedule guests. And I have somebody who helps edit the audio and I have somebody else who helps convert the audio into to blog posts. So, so it's no longer just me anymore. And that also helps, right? There's a time when you're going alone, but there's also a time when you need others and the strength of others uh, and the skills of others to help you. 
And because just because you can do something and just because you're the best at it doesn't mean that you should do it, right? There's a famous quote by, I think it was Paul McCartney, who said, uh, somebody asked him if Ringo Starr was the best drummer in the world. And he's like, Ringo? He's not even the best drummer in the in the Beatles. <laughs> there were other Beatles who were better drummers than Ringo, but they were better put to use, you know, singing or playing guitar because Ringo couldn't do those things. So you have to figure out what it is that that's the thing that you can do that nobody else can do. And uh, basically, know where you fit in the body. And the more that you embrace being what you are and who you are and who God made you to be, uh, and the more you're willing to give up control, you know, it's like, you know, I'm a mouth. I really shouldn't be uh, grabbing things. Sure, I could grab things. And, and, and when you're desperate, you can put something in your mouth and hold it there. But really, the hands are better at that. They can hold things much easier, much better. They don't damage things just by holding them. And so I need to give up control of holding things to the hands and trust that they know what they're doing. And uh, I think that applies at, at sticking with stuff, having that team around you. Has, has that been a difficult process for you, Thomas, letting go? And, and as well, you know, you're t- talking about discovering what you can do, what you can do best and really finding, yeah, this is, this is my part in this enterprise. This is my part where I can best serve the body, if you like. Has and I'm assuming that that's been a journey for you, um, a, a journey of discovery. Yeah, it's it's been easier than you would think, but not for the reasons that you would think. And the reasons I've been I struggle with a lot of health issues. I don't talk about them on the show, but I'm mm. not a healthy person, and I don't have very much energy. And so, it, it the only way that I could function is to use these people and. I've never been a particularly healthy person my whole life. I've, I've never been very healthy. And I remember talking with a, a CEO of a very prosperous uh, medical company. He was talking about who he looked for for employees. And he said there's, he had this matrix of people that were hardworking and not hardworking and people who were uh, smart and people who were dumb. And he said people who are dumb and are not hardworking, you can leave them if you want. They're, they're no trouble. People who are dumb and hardworking – got to get rid of those people as quickly as you can because they're toxic because <laughs> they're, they're going to break things and trash your whole organization. Uh, and then he said the smart people who are hardworking, those are who are really good at middle management and getting getting work done. And for my top executives, I want people who are smart and are not hardworking, uh, who are, are using the strength of others instead of, of their own strength. Mm. And that was a really interesting paradigm that he had that perhaps my lack of energy, at least in this season, is a blessing. Right? Yeah. It forces me to uh, lean on others. And it's definitely a blessing for others because it forces me to create jobs, right? <laughs> when I'm doing something somebody else could do, I'm stealing their job. And they are not making the money that they could be making. And I'm exhausting myself in a way that I don't need to exhaust myself. And so um, for me, my energy is actually a more precious resource than my time. I've got tons of time. I do not have tons of energy. <laughs> I'm very uh-huh. limited in the amount of things that I can do mm-hmm. with, with my energy. And, um, and so that, that guides my delegation. And uh, for, for somebody else who's really energetic, I can imagine it's harder for them because they could do it. For me, it's like it either is done by yeah. somebody else or it doesn't happen. So I guess yeah, I should delegate yeah. it. <clears throat> yeah. Now, I'd, you've really are, you bring so much value to the table for so many people. Thomas, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, that, that's, 
that's just a fact that in the creative space you have really sown yourself on behalf of other people to help other people rise, to help other people kind of recognize and realize their genius in numerous different ways. And I know for certain that there'll be people here listening who maybe want to say, for example, start a podcast, maybe want to write a book. Right now, all that is, is that hope on the inside. You know, I was um, just writing, I think it was yesterday or one day in the, in the past week, I was writing about how the Bible talks about faith giving substance to the things that we hope for that it actually takes those invisible things and makes them visible in some way. And so there'll be people here who are listening like, wow, man, I would just love to do something like Thomas is talking about. I would love to start a podcast or I would love to write a novel. I've got this idea for a story or a nonfiction book. You were talking about some of the nonfiction books that you've written yourself. Knowing it like hit hit the rewind button to like where say we were all those years ago, what advice would you give those people um, who are wanting to come into this creative space and begin to um, explore the potential of actually generating some kind of income? or certainly um, making an impact with their stories or with the message that they carry. What advice would you give them, uh, Thomas? So a couple of ideas. Uh, the first is I would suggest to go on some dates with your idea. And this is something I started doing where I will go and get lunch at a restaurant with me and my legal pad and the idea. And I'll just explore the idea. I'll just kind of jot down all of my thoughts about uh, the idea. Some podcast episodes will start this way, where I'll, I'll just be drafting everything I know about a topic and kind of dumping what's currently in my head on the topic onto the page so I can see where the gaps are or where I need to put some more thought or perhaps do some more research. And um, sometimes I'll go on dates with ideas and that's all that happens, right? Me and the idea realize that we're not a good fit. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, maybe I shouldn't get married to this idea. This was yeah. a fun date. I enjoyed lunch, but it's not you. It's me. We're just we're just not uh, compatible. I, you looked great. I thought you were a good idea, but you're not as good of an idea as I thought I get. I get that. And, I think I've married a few yeah. in the past. <laughs> I've later thought, what did, what did I do that for? You know, like. That's right. Uh, and And the date can be fun. And, you know, maybe you'll learn some things about the idea or you'll think through it and it'll be useful later. But, you know, just because you wanted to start a podcast on that thing doesn't mean you should. Or maybe the actual podcast should have a different form and than your initial idea. And it takes some kind of refining to help you with that. But my other suggestion is actually um, probably not what you're expecting. And it's uh, from a quote from Jesus. And, and I only know it in the King James. And it is... Until you are faithful with that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? And a lot of people want to go and be the Barnabas right away. Or sorry, be the Paul right away. And they're not willing to be the Barnabas. And you will learn faster assisting somebody else who's a few steps ahead of you. 
and you'll make money faster <laughs> because they need help, right? And you can learn, right? You can be Elisha to Elijah, right? Where Elisha is, is walking behind Elijah, he's carrying his staff, he's assisting him. But then when Elijah leaves, Elisha immediately knows what he's doing, right? He's not figuring things out. He gets the mantle and the authority, but he also had the training and the experience of Elisha. Could you imagine like, you know, sitting at the campfire and listening to Elisha tell, or Elijah tell the stories, right? All of the experiences uh, that Elijah had to learn the hard way, Elisha got to learn the easy way. Right? And, uh, and he was being paid or being compensated. I don't know how it worked back then, but, um, Think, look for opportunities to do that. Instead of jumping straight in to making your own podcast, reach out to a podcaster and be like, hey, can I edit your podcast? Uh, can I help produce the podcast? And maybe they'll pay you. Maybe they won't at first. Uh, but if you're good, they'll want to pay you if you threaten to leave. Right? It's like they start to rely on you and you're like, hey, I need to be compensated. And you can explore that. But everyone's happy to do a podcast, be a podcast host for free. Right? You're not getting paid when you start your own podcast. You're paying money. And we, it's often it's that craving of the glory, having your face on the cover, having your name on the book. And if you're willing to help some other people write their books first and being faithful in that, in that uh-huh. role of an assistant, you're going to learn better and you're going to gain that confidence. And a lot of the people who look like they're overnight successes were quietly behind the scenes helping a lot of other people become successes first. And then they took all of those skills that they gained helping others and then they do it themselves. Wow, that, that that's such powerful, such powerful words, humbling words, I think. You know, sometimes we live in a very me-centered culture, don't we? A very celebrity-type culture. And, and I mean, certainly one of the things that I've struggled with sometimes is in, in that celebrity culture, there is everything is just trumpeting and fanfares about, you know, I've made this much money or I've got this many followers or follow me, you know, buy my product and you can like become what I am. But they fail to tell you that they've been in the game for 25 years <laughs> to become what they are. You know, it, it's like, like, just oh, that's pro- only one of the tricks. Yeah. Just like this product. There's many other its, tricks. You yeah. So like. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> Uh, like, for instance, they'll say, I made a million dollars. And what they won't tell you is that they spent $950,000 on advertising <laughs> to make that million dollars. <laughs> There's a so, lot of ways to look more successful than you really are. Yeah. And, and, to, and to, remain, um, to remain humble and to remain sensitive in this online space, I think, actually takes a lot of intention um, because it is very noisy. And, and once you get into it as well, all of the algorithms that exist conspire to suck you into a whirlpool. And sometimes I found, Thomas, of inadequacy. You feel because you've not got this following or you're not making this much money or you've not got this many bestsellers or whatever else it may be that somehow it diminishes your sense of worth and your recognition of just how precious what you bring to the table is and being able to shut out those voices while you do come in and offer your service, either helping others, beginning to build your own platform and develop your own skills with uh, is it actually takes a quite a 
it takes a lot to kind of shut out the noise and hear the Holy Ghost enough to not be diverted in all sorts of different directions and just end up running just running in circles. Yeah, I think this actually tie, ties back to where we started about you know, loving God and loving your neighbor. And I think that the focus of tuning out that noise is to just have a laser focus on the people that you're serving. Yeah. And not be worried about other people who are serving other people. Because <laughs> there's lots yeah. of people in this world and they need help in lots of different ways. And instead of looking at others who are serving others, if you're just focused on here is the community I've been called to serve and I'm going to serve them. And and this is something I, I wrestled with because authors don't have a lot of money. And serving authors is not nearly as lucrative as, say, serving businesses or small businesses, right? There's a lot of other places where I could uh, take my skills as a marketing person. And I dabbled in that, but I never had a piece about it. <laughs> For some reason, I'm here with the authors. I've been here with the authors from the beginning. I was amongst the authors uh, helping them while I was still in college, and I'm, I'm still here today. And um, focusing on them is, is helped I think the people I'm called to serve and yeah. whoever, you know, if you don't know who you're called to serve, you're not ready to start serving. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm going to make a meal. It's like, who are you making a meal for? I don't know. It's like, how many people are there going to be? I don't know. It's like, well then don't open the recipe book yet. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the, the approach is very different. If you're making a, a romantic meal for your uh, wife, than if you're feeding a whole Boy Scout troop, right? The, everything has changed. It depends on the audience. And um, if you are willing to be faithful with what God has given you and, and who God has called you to reach, that's that's it. That That's as good as it gets. It's not going to get any better than that. And comparing yourself to others and, and keeping score isn't going to bring you any kind of happiness because there's always going to be somebody making more money and there's always going to be somebody more successful and with more whatever the score is. And, and one of the things I like about podcasting is that there's no real public transparent scorekeeping. Right? I've been really mm. hesitant to get on YouTube in any meaningful way uh, because the of the view count, right? Everyone gets to see what the number of views are and suddenly your whole worth and your credibility and everything is tied to this number. And uh, I, I don't yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Thomas, I, I've got to say that as a member of that author community, we really do appreciate you. And we sincerely appreciate the service that you've offered us and continue to offer. Just create it, just in the creative space. It's so much more than authors. I mean, really, you, you've impacted my life in ways that you uh, don't actually realize probably. But um, and uh, so if people want to find out more about you, Thomas and what you do, where would where would you send them? Where 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 can they go? And I'll put these links in the so show notes, etc. But let us know. Yeah, so I have two podcasts uh, that you can listen to for free. Uh, one is the Christian Publishing Show, and this is all about writing better books, writing faster books, and but also about the, kind of the spiritual journey of of writing. So we'll, we're not afraid to talk about God on that podcast <laughs> and partnering with God in the creation process. Uh, but also lots of practical stuff like how to get a literary agent and uh, how to you know, write tighter sentences. And my other podcast is Novel Marketing. And it's all about growing your platform, 
building your influence and selling more books. So it's on the actually taking your message and getting it out into the world. Because if you write a great book and no one reads it, it uh, is of no value, right? It's, it's like speaking and no one can understand what you're saying, right? It's just a clanging gong, right? You have to have, uh, the, the message has to actually enter someone's head uh, for it to, to have a value. And so the marketing is important. And the marketing is also, uh, when done well, can be an act of service. You can serve people and bless people through your marketing so that whether they buy your book or not, they're still blessed by your message. And that's what we talk about in the Novel Marketing Podcast. And we, you know, how to build a website, how to get more email subscribers. We try to keep it really practical. And you can find that at authormedia.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. What a rich, rich time we've had together. So, so thankful, Thomas. Hey, God bless you. And uh, I'm sure we will be dragging you back in here to uh, speak <laughs> to us again at some time soon. Hey, God, God bless, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This Pleasure. Well, thanks for listening. Hopefully uh, it's been an encouragement to you today. If you want to connect any further, you can do so through my website at davidleemartin.com. Have a great day.